Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast, everybody. I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me this week is Joe, my co-host. Say, tell tell the people you're here, Joe. I am 100% here, even though I'm okay. thinking about comic books. Yes, well, that's true. If you missed the pre-show, you missed us going on about video games and comic books and all that stuff because that's what we do in the pre-show. And quite frankly, you're missing it. Uh, but anyway, this is this has been an interesting week for us in terms of stuff. Not not a lot of actual news because let's face it. The big news is all happening in less than a week. Yeah. So this week, it's simultaneously kind of a holding pattern, but at the same time, stuff's going on. They put out a cool cinematic trailer slash guide to the Shadowlands this weekend. I don't know if you guys saw it. That was the intro video for for uh, Shadowlands. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's not the... Uh, they still have the Sylvanas one. That's still a cinematic sure. the game. But yeah, yeah. This one's much more of a, this is what the Shadowlands are like. Uh, I think it, when, you, when you get to Oribos, it might be something. I'm not sure. But it's really cool. Uh, they put that out. And we're now in week two of the pre-expansion event, the Death Rising storyline, which if you, if, you like, if you haven't done any of the stuff for that, they've ramped up the spawns yep. in Ice Crown. Every time I'm uh, I'm going to tell you right now, ton of zombies oh yeah like, the tr- I, it's it's trolling season it, we've officially yeah. entered the pre-patch trolling season yeah uh i i tried to get to ice crown and i got to dalaran and i got turned into a zombie as soon as i got out of like stepped through the portal so i got on my mount before i could like actually turn and i just dropped myself off the side of dalaran to die right there i died on the ground and obviously raised as a zombie so uh, yeah, then I died again, and you know I was done with it. That's how I got around it. But yeah, it's 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 all happening. So that's this week. This week is basically just more pre patch. Uh, I'm gonna tell people this: if you say you're a, your character who dual wields like something, and you're you're like right now you're using a 115 in your main hand because you killed Nathanos last week, but in your offhand you're using something less, like a 110 at best, because that's the best that the, the Ice Crown rares drop. You can kill Nathanos again this week. Yep. 
But and, I think it's the last know, week, right? Yeah, it's the last week. It's this week, and, and you're done. But, like, for instance, my character right there is using two 115 weapons because I killed the Thanos twice. So that's nice. If you don't have, like, heroic or better um, Nyalotha gear, then you can get yourself two pretty solid weapons that'll last you, like, a couple levels as you're leveling up. I don't think I don't think they start giving you above, above 115 stuff until you're, like, at least level 53. So, yeah, that'll last you a couple levels, and that's nice. Uh... So there's that. Also, um, Diablo 3 Season 22 is going to be in three days from the time we're recording this. If you're listening to the show recorded, uh, it was, the, the I think, the 17th today? I Time melts today, to me. Today is the 17th, folks, as the time of this recording. So in three days, uh, so I think Friday, yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah, Friday, it'll be the new season, uh, Season 2. So if you've been waiting for that, you'll have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to, to mess around with that before... You won't have any more time because Shadowlands will be out and you can't do anything else with your life. I apologize. That's just the way it is. Uh, so, yeah, I, think that's be- I mean, there's there's been some Hearthstone stuff, too, but I'll be up front. I haven't really been paying attention. It's just it's basically been more of the same for Hearthstone. They're they're talking about their Darkmoon Fair experience, and that's cool. But if you don't play a lot of Hearthstone, nothing really tremendously notable. So. However, if you do play Hearthstone, I should point out that this is actually a really cool time to be a player. Uh, I know several of the folks in our newsroom are very, very excited about uh, the Dark Moon Fair stuff, the alternate uh, possible histories that it's telling, uh, and maybe some of the dark, dark secrets that will be revealed throughout the course of everything of was it, Silas Darkmoon. Uh what, I can't remember his name. The, the little creepy that gnome. Silas Darkmoon is the head of the guy who the guy who does it. Yes. Yeah. That that creepy gnome that I maintain is the reason that I dislike gnomes. I guarantee you that that is the reason why I think gnomes are creepy is because that shady shady Silas. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> but it is a good time to be one of those uh, players. So if you were a, fr- a fan of Hearthstone. Maybe see what's going on with it. Check it out. See what's going on because you might have some fun with some of the weird alternate things that they're doing and the new card mechanics that they're introducing. Okay. But that's basically it for now. Um, I, we're we're going to move on and do some questions and stuff because that's what we do here on the show. If you have a question for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show. Uh, if you don't want to use email, we do have a Discord server. You can go to the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel where several of the questions this week came from. Or you can go to the Q Questions channel, which is, doesn't limit itself to patrons the way the patron channel does. Uh, we do look there, too, although this week I didn't. Uh, we had I felt like we had a good arrangement, so to speak. So, But, yeah, uh, Joe's going to read them for us, so if you don't mind, Joe. I will be happy to do so. Uh, this first one comes from Danthendris. I apologize if I pronounced that wrong. Sorry. Uh, I'm a Blood Elf Death Knight on the Thrall server in the Damnation Guild. What are your thoughts on the possibility of a scene Arthas once again in the Shadowlands? All evil people and what... Do, er, ugh, in the Shadowlands, all evil people. And what do you think everyone's reaction would be if we do see Arthas? And if Jaina is coming with us, how do you think Jaina will react to seeing Arthas? Uh... Okay, apparently Son of Ninjox. Multiple names! All of the names. Sorry. Uh, yeah, what do you think? I think we've covered this a, a, a few times on Lore Watch, yeah? Yeah, we talked about it before, but um, I think if we do see Arthas, we won't be seeing him right away. Uh, I do think, however, it, it's the um, the sheer amount, the the the, the Scourge pre-invasions, the pre-expansion stuff... I cannot talk today, apparently, but the Scourge pre-expansion stuff has got me rethinking my opinion about whether or not we're going to see Arthas. Really? 
Well, because they're using all the Scourge bosses. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because, like, I thought that was an interesting statement, especially if Sylvanas is the one pulling the trigger on that. I don't think Sylvanas is the one pulling the trigger on anything. Here's the thing. I, we When they said that the Jailer was the final boss of this expansion, they weren't kidding. And I, the more and more, I'm getting that sense that Sylvanas is not driving this bus anymore. Which is fine. Yeah, which is fine. And, you know, but... It, it does have me interested in what's happening. The, the sheer amount of, like, going around Ice Crown and hunting these rares. I mean, yeah, it's just a way for us to get loot and to do an event. But at the same time, why are these Kyrian bringing back all these Fallen Scourge? And they are. Like, the Mossworn Kyrian are just showing up and summoning in various members of the Scourge who died. Who we killed. They all died. We yeah, we killed, killed them. them. It's like... It's literally like when, you know, you're, you can imagine a character going, but you're dead. I killed you. I took stuff off your, I took this off of you. This thing you just dropped. I, I took it the last time. It, it, it's very much that. And I find myself wondering like what it's supposed to mean. Like it, obviously I shouldn't think about it to the point where I'm doing a chalkboard, you know, and drawing lines between people. But I do think that there's an important thing that we're, we're kind of missing in all of this, that the jailer is using like people that fell. Mm-hmm. And they're they're ones that fell after they were made scourge. Yep. And Arthas fell after he became the Lich King. He could very well be in the jailer's clutches right now, ready to get used against us again. I wouldn't like be surprised be, with that, honestly. Yeah. And the fact that we that, that the person it earned tends up being Mossworn later talked Uther into throwing Arthas into the Maw. Ahead of him, you know, instead of having him be judged by the by the arbiter, which has its own connotations, right? Yeah, there's something going on with that, and that has me wondering. Like, I've been thinking about it ever since it happened. Like, ever since I watched that cinematic, like, why? Like, I get why Uther would do it. Obviously, Uther throwing Arthas in the mall makes perfect sense. But why did was she so invested in? That? If she was alarmed by the sight of the maw. Like the, the power of the Maw being channeled by the Lich King, as she said she was when she tried to convince the Archon to listen to her. Why did she decide to do something that went against everything they believe and and didn't solve the problem? And then later on, she becomes Mossworn. Was she Mossworn before this? Like how long Like did she, did she decide, well, they're going to let this happen anyway. I might as well join the winning team. Like there's there's more to this, but I definitely think we might see Arthas again. Absolutely, I do. I just don't think it will be right away. No. There's a lot of story in the beta, man. Just the, in the beta, you don't get to see the, the patches coming down after. You don't get to see like 9.1 or 9.2. You just get to see what's going to be there when we first start the expansion. Yeah, it, it's one of those exciting times because at the beginning of an expansion, it's like it's all the little cookie crumbs, right? And it's the things that that could be major story hooks or things that we could see. So, like to go back to the question here from uh, our friend. Uh, son of Ninjax. Uh, yeah, it, it's. I think we're going to see Arthas at some point, and I think there's going to be a heavy moment because I think Jaina will wind up being involved. And we've talked about it a lot. Jaina's pretty present up front in the expansion. That's not really uh, a spoiler at this point. I think that's pretty apparent that uh, she's around. She's doing stuff. She's active. She's not a damsel in distress, right? Uh, and there's going to... She's not the so same... Thrall. Thrall is the damsel. Thrall is 100% the damsel in distress right now. Uh, but there's going to be this moment where, like, she's she's not the person she was when everything went down with Arthas. She's not even the person she was when Ice Crown happened. When all of that was said and done, 
She's grown. She's been through so much. She is a completely different and I think stronger character than she has ever been. I also think she's more balanced than she's ever been. Uh, so I think it's going to be a really interesting moment, and I would be very upset if we don't get a moment between them if Arthas does show up, which I'm with Matt. I think it's going to happen, uh, and it could be one of it could be one of two things. It could be something that he's in the clutches of you know the jailer and is going to be used like some of the other the the, the other NPCs that just so happen to be former uh, payroll of Arthas, I guess under the payroll of Arthas, uh, or. He could be trapped and being tortured and being siphoned because that's the other thing that I've been thinking about a lot is like in Revendreth, they talked about the old reliables and we saw a bunch of stuff there. What if Arthas is an old reliable too? What if, what if he's supplying a lot more power than we think he is? He could not be being used like a a puppet. He could literally be a battery at this point. There's a ton of stuff that could happen with him, but I think we'll see him again. I also think it's worth pointing out, and this was something one of the commenters on Lorewatch pointed out a while ago, and I've been mulling over ever since. It was like, if you wanted to get Sylvanas to do what you want, telling her you've got Arthas and you'll let her have him would be a pretty good way to do that. It would be a decent carrot. Like she, she's wanted to do horrible things to Arthas for literally her entire unlife. Oh yeah. Finally getting the chance to do so, I can see that swaying her in some way. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be as simple as you know, I've got Arthas, I'll give him to to you if you do what I want. But I could definitely see them using her as like the carrot and a stick thing, where it's like you know, if you really want that, we could talk about it after you do what I want, sort of thing. This wasn't my idea. It was somebody on Lore, someone who asked us a question on Lorewatch. I just can't remember. But yeah, definitely something that's worth considering is how does it get, you know, the, we know the jailer is looking for something. What is he looking for? Yeah. What is it he's trying to figure out by like what he's doing to the people that he, that he had Sylvanas take. Sylvanas was the one who chose which people to grab. She went for the people who annoyed her the most, but the jailer is the one who's testing them. And, He's trying to find something. Thrall, when, when you talk to Thrall about Thrall's like, it seems like he was looking for something, but he wouldn't tell us what he wanted. So he's doing something, and he doesn't want to tell people what it is. So Arthas could definitely be getting some interesting experiences, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I have anything else to add to that one. Do you? No, I think we're good. All right. Our next one comes from Ouya. I hope that's pronounced right. Question for Blizzard Watch. With the increase in popularity of CRPG like Path of Exile, Disco Elysium, etc., what franchise from Blizzard do you want them to implement? I would love a StarCraft or Diablo CRPG. I I mean, Path of Exile is a Diablo clone. Yep. Diablo so, is, was the original. So Diablo is a CRPG. It just it's, it's an action RPG. It definitely it plays not dissimilar to Path of Exile in that Path of Exile is it's like if you and, it's like saying I really like this guy well, who is the grandson of another guy. I wish that the other guy had another grand had an actual grandson. It's like we did. And that Path of Exile is that. And and just to, for those of you that may not know, CRPG literally stands for computer role playing game. Yep. That's all and it Diablo is. Diablo technically is a role playing game. It's just extremely light on the role playing aspects of role playing. Like you don't get a lot of options. There's not a lot of character choice in Diablo. Um, it's it's why I said it's an action role playing game. It's very much more. Diablo is more about smashing things and taking stuff than it is the story of the. Which is interesting when you consider some games like Hades out there that are are injecting a lot of story into an action RPG roguelike. Like there's some room for it. So there's a lot of story in Hades, but there's not a lot of choice. Choice, in yeah, Hades. exactly. I mean, there's a few elements like you can choose. Okay. Uh, do I want to romance Thanatos or do I want to romance uh, 
Megara, or do I want to romance both of them? Um, you can do that kind of thing. There, there is some. I, I, I stand. In- I stand. Dusa. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, but Hades definitely does prove that you that you could make a game that's got a lot of lore. But Diablo three has a ton of lore in it. It just doesn't have any character options. Like you don't get a choice in anything you do in Diablo. Like you just don't. You just it, it, Diablo is a three. Is it's they used to call certain games theme parks. Yeah, and Diablo is definitely a theme park. Yeah, you just you get on the ride, you go to the end, you you made no decisions. Uh, you just you got to kill a lot of monsters on the way. The I guess the real game was the monsters you killed along the way. <laughs> uh, but to go back to the root of the question, I would actually really like to see more character choice in, and I'm going to say this, and people are going to throw it out there. Wow, I want more of it we've had a little bit so far they've played around with the idea of it i would love to see something a little more choice oriented inside of the wow universe whether it's in wow itself or an offshoot game or something that happens inside of the framework of that universe and i'm not just saying because like diablo and, and starcraft we've talked about that a lot as like being rpgs and i think i think starcraft would do very well as something like a splinter cell clone um I think that Diablo, yeah, you could give characters more of a choice, but I'm kind of okay with it just being that that playground, that 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 amusement park of evisceration. Like it does it really, really well. Um, but I think WoW has more to offer in that. And I'm reminded way, way, way back when, and I'm I'm going to show some of my age here. Uh, some of our listeners may remember that when Warcraft Three was a thing, when World of Warcraft was just announced. And nothing, and I mean literally nothing, had come out about it aside from the fact that they were working on an RPG, an MMORPG, based in the Warcraft universe. An enterprising group of players created an, a CRPG in the Warcraft 3 engine that modified almost everything from the base up. And I remember it distinctly because it was the, the same character classes. There was stories. It was you you had choice on where you went. Uh, you had choice of some of your interactions with some of the other NPCs, other heroes. It was really interesting. And it, it to me, it always stuck with me as this thing that could have been done. Like you could have a cool RPG built with inside of the wow universe. And maybe it goes alongside the, you know, the big story. Maybe it's an alternate timeline, whatever the case is. I don't care. I just think that wow is ripe for that. And I think the player reaction to backing Sarfang or backing Sylvanas and some of those choices in there as decisive, uh, divisive as it was, I think players really enjoyed being able to have a choice. And we talked about this before. Matt and I have gone on about this. I wish, wish, wish I would have had a choice not to burn Teldrassil down because I don't feel my character would have had any part and parcel of that. I didn't get a choice. Like, there's these options that you could have some really cool divergent storytelling inside of the WoW universe, and it doesn't have to be inside of the WoW the WoW MMORPG. You know what's interesting that you said you say that? Something that keeps coming to mind for me? Hmm. Imagine if when you're Horde, you get to that point where Sylvanas gives the order, and you can decide no, I won't be part of this, or yes, I'll go along with it. And if you decide no, you get to rush, you try to rush down to the catapults to stop them. And on your way, a night elf, you run into a night elf patrol that is like trying to evacuate people, and they attack you. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're trying to fight through them. You're like, no, you don't understand. And they don't listen. And, you, and by the time you get there, it's too late. 
it's almost like your agency's taken away at that point. They gave it they gave it to you in a brief moment and then immediately took it away. It would be just like what they did with you if you were Alliance. You went back to Tildrassel and you tried to save people, but you failed and they all died. Mm-hmm. Like you collapsed about 20 people in and so thousands of people died. I think that that would have been, it would have meant that people on both sides would have had that same feeling going into the expansion. And it would have let you feel like I did, you know, I, I, I tried. I tried to stop it. I failed. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's room in World of Warcraft for failure in the story. And there's room for stuff that only happens. Like one of the things I thought was interesting was that they, they did that whole bit with the, the knife. Oh, Zalatath. Yep. They did that whole bit with Zalatath where you like, you know, as you go through the quest chain and it's ultimately it's because of you that Zalatath gets a new body and you get that thing stuck on your forehead. But imagine if there'd also been an option to just straight up not trust Zalatath and like, you're like, nope, I'm not helping you. And then somebody else like grabs the knife and runs off. And then you spend the entire time trying to stop Zalatath. And then you get, you end up in front of Nazoth and that whole thing happens. And it's you getting tricked by Zalatath to, you know, as you were trying to oppose it. And then you don't have to say, well, yeah, I, I very dumbly ate a magic talking knife and it turned out it was evil, which I knew. But, you know, it, the thing was just one step ahead of us. And you still have the story. There's, there's room for this. I, and I feel like they've they've made some steps towards it. I think there's interesting choice in the fact that we choose our covenant yeah. this time around. Yeah, I think there's some, there's, there's some element of that. And I, I praised that when they first talked about it because I, th- I think it's cool because it gives you a little bit of a unique flair. And it's not... Order halls were good. They were interesting to a point, but they didn't. I, I think that they were I don't want to say they didn't go far enough, but it didn't feel integrated enough. When you're choosing your covenant, it feels a little bit more than just making one of those choices for uh, like what class you're going to play, because your character is literally making the choice of which of these realms am I going to back? Where am I going to throw my support behind it? And it feels like an important choice. Like, no matter where you go, no matter what covenant you pick, it feels important. It feels like a choice your character is making, and that's good design. I often talk about uh, Bioshock Infinite as a, a a great example of a game on rails that gives you the perfect illusion of choice. And which was really funny because we're talking, we're talking original Bioshock or Bioshock Infinite? Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, Bioshock Infinite has a lot of stuff. I can't, I'm not going to talk about it just in case you haven't played it yet. Uh, because it's got the spoilers for this game completely recontextualize the game. Yeah, it, it does it dramatically. So it's one of those times where I, I, it's not like, oh, here's a minor detail that won't affect the game any. It's huge. Once you know the secret of Bioshock Infinite, it it recontextualizes everything you've done and seen. Yeah, and it recontextualizes every choice you make. But if you haven't played it and you can pick it up for cheap, I mean, they were coming into the holiday season. Give it a try, honestly. It's But uh to get back to the question that was asked since you've I think you've gotten a chance to answer it at this point. Yeah. Um in terms of Blizzard games, I mean, obviously I think that Diablo already has a role-playing game. Uh that doesn't mean I wouldn't like another one, but I think if we're talking CRPGs, the the franchise I'd have to go with is probably still StarCraft. And it's be StarCraft because they have not done nearly enough with StarCraft in terms of its story. And and the story that they did in StarCraft 2 definitely does not feel finished. It feels like yeah. the first part of something. I mean, it was a three it was a three part game release. It was like three different separate elements, but it definitely didn't feel done at all. It felt like we got to the cliffhanger and then where we going off the cliff and now what? What we need the, the the hanging part. We need to know what happens next and there's there's nothing and there won't be anything for a long time. So I would definitely have to go with StarCraft. But 
Yeah, there's a lot of what Joe says about choice is really interesting to me because it is something that World of Warcraft does not do as good a job as other games. I think people people who are playing uh, Final Fantasy definitely buy into the illusion of choice that that game provides because they put the groundwork in to, to give you that feeling of choice and to give you that feeling of it mattering, of consequence. It doesn't really... It, there's no actual choice there, but it feels like it is. And it's really, it's, this is one of the hardest things to do in role-playing games. It is one of the things you really want to avoid at all costs is feeling on rails. But that doesn't mean you don't want to be on rails. It just means you don't want people to be like, hey, I'm on rails. You want them to feel like, oh, wow, that was really important, the decision I made. So, yeah. I, I definitely think that Diablo with a, an, like, an open-world Diablo RPG, I, I'm really excited for Diablo 4 because I think that's going to be Diablo 4. Or at least close enough to it. And, and that's what I'm interested in. I would love to see a sprawling Diablo game where, you know, you can decide, you know, no, I'm not going to go help you people. And you come back later and the town's been destroyed by demons and everybody got eaten just because you didn't help them. Or maybe they get eaten by demons because you did help them and that made the demons angry. There's just a lot of stuff that you could do with that franchise. And I would love to see a, a more complex role-playing game experience with it. Yeah, but I, I feel would... like you want to probably move on. I think. Yeah, I was going to say any experience, any of the Blizzard IPs, I could always do with more of. Uh, our next one. Hey y'all! In this uh, pre-expat downtime, I work on old items. I recently noticed I am very short on the PvP or PM sets. Random BGs once in a while is the extent of my PvP. So how might I collect some of these older sets? Thanks, Suggle Kitten. I said it right this time. Ah. Yes, you did. Um. I'm going to say up front, one of the things that would have been helpful for you to have been doing this whole time is when you, like, for instance, last week was a PvP week, I think. I uh, think when so. You get the, when you get the PvP week, you can do the, the quest and you'll get, like, more marks of honor and stuff that'll help you buy. You're definitely going to need to step up your PvPing, unfortunately. There's no real way to get PvP gear without PvP anymore. It used to be, um, I'm pretty sure up until, like, the end of Mists, you could just buy it. Like, straight up, they'd put all the old PvP gear on vendors that took money. Because I, I, I don't know how else I got it. Like, I've got PvP gear that I know I didn't PvP to get. So, I'm pretty sure you could just buy it. Or possibly, you could buy it with Honor, which you could get, like, pretty easily. Like, you just do one, like, AV every so often. Now it's more difficult. Uh, but you definitely would need to do more PvP. But if you do it during a PvP weekend, you'll also get more Honor and stuff during it. The uh, weekend grants you some, so... Yeah, unfortunately, just doing the occasional BG is probably not your best bet in terms of, of honor generation. Yeah, I honestly don't know. I think your best bet is looking at some of the lookalike sets. Um, a lot of things that they do with some of the older PvP stuff um, is not necessary. They, they, they will either change the cost of it so that it doesn't actually cost PvP materials anymore because it's not good uh, equipment, though that might change now with how the leveling is. I haven't looked at it. Um, you could do unrated battlegrounds to try to get marks of honor to get some of that stuff. Um, you could look for ones that have been converted to gold. You can look for lookalikes. Some of the crafting sets uh, are actually based yeah, off the PvP there's crafted, set. There's crafted PvP sets from uh, at least Mr. Pandaria on yes. that you can get. They're usually not as not as cool looking, but you can get them. I remember there's there's one that like a Death Knights get that looks like a giant beetle. Yeah, like it's straight up a it's like a you're a scarab lord in armor. So yeah, there's some of it is viable. Yeah, I just don't know the full extent because honestly, um, I haven't really PvP'd in a very long time. Um, so 
I would say look to the community. Um, that might actually be something that would be great to, to throw out as far as a, a, an idea. Maybe one of our more PvP-centric folks at Blizzard Watch could write up a thing detailing where to get uh, previous PvP gear, especially with Shadowlands changing the way things are, are sort of uh, working with leveling. But I don't have a better answer than that one. Although, Yeah, I will point out that um, one thing you can do is go to the group finder and look for pre-made PvP groups. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, sometimes you can get into a group that's like going to do a lot and steamroll some stuff and you'll end up riding it to a ton of honor, which would be easier for you to buy things. Uh, but I, I, you know, that's basically, it, it basically comes down to, you will need to be, that's, that's how that was. Even for stuff that's, I don't know why they didn't leave it in the system that we had where you could get Ooh. it just by getting it. So, uh, actually we have an answer from chat. So I'm going to give okay, Bruce, cool. Yay. I'm going to give Bruce, uh, Redux a uh, shout out here. Uh, so Bruce says, Unrated Battlegrounds for Marks of Honor will do very well. And then you can go to the expansion vendors at PvP centers like Ashran and on the wall at the west end of the Vale. Uh, he says he's done he's done this uh, quite a few uh, quite a bit. So that might be a, a path you can go and uh, get what you need from there. So there you go. Hey, look at that an answer. Thanks, Chat. Thanks, Bruce. All right. Uh, our next one comes from Wolf of Aether. Uh, question for the queue, but we're stealing it for the podcast. Finger guns. Uh, does it bug you like it does me that the most efficient way to get the current timeline prepatch events requires going to a dollar on from the past? It just seems so inelegant. I don't think it bothers me at all. The elegance doesn't really bother me. I just think it's hilarious that technically speaking, it's not there. Yeah. Like when you go there, you get on a Griffin, you fly from Dalaran to Argent to the Argent Tournament, and apparently several years pass. <laughs> but I mean, what were they gonna do? You know, have a special portal directly to the Argent Tournament? I'm staring directly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a moving city; it can do what it wants. No, I I I get what you're saying, and you're right. Um, you are absolutely correct in that it shouldn't just be Dalaran floating in over Crystal Song. Because that Dalaran's not there anymore. And since this is all happening in current Ice Crown, honestly, I felt like they should have done... Like, this really doesn't... This isn't a tre- tremendously altered Ice Crown. The Skybox is different, but it's still basically the same zone with all the same mobs. Their leveling is different, but it hasn't really changed much. I feel like it should have changed quite a bit. Like, the Scourge were a mindless, ravening horde that weren't being directed by Bolvar. They shouldn't have been keeping up anything. Like, all those... Like weird zombie cauldrons and all the forward bases and all that stuff should be like dilapidated and the scourge should have basically just been running amok for like years. Just because some new guy has come along and is in control of them now doesn't mean that that the the stuff should look the same. Yeah, like the mindless dead were just walking around. I I remember what was talking about. Someone was talking about the the idea that the Argent Crusade has basically been up here this whole time. And it's like, didn't they disband and join the Order of the Silver Hand? And it's not that they disbanded. They did join the Order of the Silver Hand, as did the Blood Knights and the Sunwalkers and the Vindicators. But those are still groups. There's still groups out there. The Argent Crusade, there's even a part where you're doing the quests. And uh, I forget, I think it's the, oh, buddy, I can't remember her name. It starts with a V. Uh, the woman that you, you get sent up to talk to basically says, you know, we weren't prepared for this. We weren't, you know, nobody expected this. We were, you know, just kind of like... They effectively had a skeleton crew of a few loyal, you know, crusaders left behind who were set up here just basically to watch in case the scourge did something. And since Bolvar was in charge of the scourge and the scourge, you know, he wasn't, he didn't want them to do anything. They weren't doing anything, but it still feels weird to me that like, you know, you go to these various bases that are scourge bases and there's the scourge just being there. Like the place is exactly the same. 
I really feel like it would have made sense if the whole place was like, you know, just shambling monsters that did, didn't do any forethought or planning until the Kyrian showed up and started controlling them. Uh, but that's, you know, to, to try and get around to it, my feeling on it is, yes, it's weird. But otherwise, they would have had to do something like put in a portal straight to, to you know, the Argent Tournament. And again, I'm staring directly at you, Blizzard. That would have been the thing to do. Yeah, but I was thinking... again, if they put a portal in, here, I'm just, just thought of this. It's already hard enough to get up here. Mm-hmm. Like as the scourge infection gets worse, getting to Ice Crown. Imagine if you just stood through, like there's a portal location. You'd have to have gone to that portal location. That portal location is probably going to have zombies all over it. So I don't know. Yeah, and and I get the point of where it's like I can see where people would say that that's the thing to do, but I also think it's interesting to consciously not make a choice to change it because Dalaran's not the focus, really. It's what's happening in the sky, what's happening in the zone, and that's really about it. Um, well, plus, I mean, Dalaran, I mean, there is something to, to think about here. Dalaran was over the broken shore because the Legion invasion was happening, but it's not happening anymore. If the sky just got ripped open and multiple important people just got kidnapped, Dalaran might, in fact, move back up here to, to watch it. Which would be cool, you know? but and then you're talking about a whole new zone instance and potentially well, really, or phasing or whatever. Is, it, you don't have to. You can just say in lore, Dalaran moved back up to Crystal Song Forest to watch the Scourge when the, the sky got ripped open. You don't have to see a new Dalaran at all. You don't, it doesn't have to be in game. Chat's telling us that there is a portal uh, up there to the Argent Tourney. Uh, not one I knew about. Hmm. I'll have to take, we'll have to take a look at that because I don't remember seeing one either. But again, I'm also not spending a whole lot of time up there. So, all right. Anything else to say on that one? No, no, I'm good. All right. Uh, Our next one comes from our good old friend 6K. Uh, Question for the podcast. In Warcraft, a lot of lore is borrowed from other stories and ancient theologies, i.e. the old gods and Lovecraftian horrors or Alduar Norse mythology. So in that vein, where does the name Zoval herald from and what mythology will the uh, typology of the ancient ones be borrowed from? I mean, just because some they've done that before doesn't mean that's what Zaval is. It doesn't have to be copied. I mean, it's, he's an archetype that's very... We've got lots of archetypes of figure, you know, trapped in the underworld, uh, forced to rule it. That's literally the story of Hades, the Greek god of the, of the underworld. He didn't want to be the god of the underworld, but his brothers won all the good places, and he ended up with just the leftovers. That's, uh, it's actually really a tragedy for Hades because Hades was the eldest Hades was older than Poseidon or Zeus. He was one of the first ones born. Uh, but since Zeus was the one who actually defeated their father, he got to be king of the gods. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hades, again, they were dividing up the cosmos by lots. You know, Zeus took the sky and it's his own permanent abode. He let Poseidon take the waters and Hades got stuck with the underworld, the underground Teutonic stuff. It's interesting enough if you go back, and I know this has nothing to do with World of Warcraft, but I've got to talk about it. Uh <laughs> In in ancient linear B, the the name Poseidon is it's not it's Ponewaidan basically. It doesn't mean anything. it's not a name. It's a title. And if you look at the the way the the language was structured, it's pretty clear that in ancient times there's Argosian myths of of Poseidon and Demeter having a, a mare together. They had a child that was a horse. And sometimes, essentially, there at one point there wasn't a triumvirate of Zeus. Hades and Poseidon. There was one god who had all three roles, and they got broken up into the three of them. And that's to me, that's what's interesting about Zoval is what is the jailer? Like, what it was he? What is he? If you've done the stuff in the uh, the second week of the pre-expansion event, there's there's some dialogue you're given 
by the, the, the Tyrion that's leading the invasion on behalf of the Jailer, arguing that the Jailer is returning and to claim what was his. Returning where? To here? To Azeroth? Is Zoval from Azeroth? What is Zoval then? What is the Jailer that the Jailer thinks of Azeroth as his? Or I mean, Azeroth's world soul as his? I do think it's interesting that it looks like... Uh... Uh, this is going to sound so out of left field, but like going back to the intro video or, or the video that they've just released, he's got like orc like little tusks, which I thought was interesting when they close up yeah. on his face. They're actually not too dissimilar from troll tusks, but shorter. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. Like it's, I don't know where Zoval is. If it is borrowed from anywhere, it's entirely possible that it could be. And we just don't know about it. Um, but everything borrows from everywhere at some point uh, as far as mythology is concerned I, I remember studying world mythology of proto-religions in college which was like one of the most pretentious things i ever did uh but one of the things that was really apparent is it didn't matter where in the world uh you were if you were within a certain uh geographic region uh like basically the the idea of theological spitting distance you shared similarities and stories and in, in proto mythology like you had similar types of gods whether or not their uh personalities were exactly the same this is why uh you can have thor and perun uh which i think is perun is polish i think i want to say he's slavic slavic thank you um but you could have like these these similar gods with different names and different origins but have you know, similar, similar things. Everybody borrows from somewhere at some point. So maybe, uh, maybe as we find out more, what do we think that means for the, the old ancient ones? No idea. Uh, for all I know, they could be ordering themselves after the, uh, the original, uh, beings that ordered the Marvel universe. Who knows? It'll be interesting to find out though, because I'm guaranteed that they're, as we find out more about the ancient ones, we're going to start to see some of that influence from probably a thousand different directions. But I have, I'm excited for it because I don't think it's borrowing too heavily from any one specific thing. Like we talk about this a lot, like the original uh, religion of Warcraft was basically Christianity. Um, it had God, it had like that sort of them thematically thing going for it in the original, original Warcraft. It shifted over time and changed to something completely different. Same with the whole idea of darkness and void and, and evil and, and what that was. It evolved, so it's entirely, entirely possible that what we're getting now is new. As far as all that goes, it's it's different. It's not too heavily borrowed from something specific, but is an amalgamation uh, that they've created all on their own. And I'm excited for that because that's cool. Uh, let's see here. Anything else you want to add to that one, Matt? Um, only I, I've been thinking about it for a while. It's fair to say that Olduwar borrows from Norse mythology, but Olduwar also borrows heavily from comic books. Oh, yeah. Specifically Jack Kirby comic books. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, if you want to talk like Olduwar and the Titans, the, the Titans in general are very heavily drawn from, from Marvel Comics uh, stuff by Jack Kirby. The Eternals series he did. Yep. And it's also deeply inspired by the new gods that he did for DC. And I think Zoval is much more along the lines of the new gods where they take the new figure like dark side isn't based on any particular figure from world mythology. He's an archetype. Mm -hmm. He's basically the God of fascism. He's the God of destroying free will, like anti-life in, in Kirby's new world. The fourth world wasn't death. It was the lack of free will. Anti-life was being unable to live your life because you wouldn't be allowed to. 
I think Zoval is much more like that. He's not based on Hades. He's not based on any particular death god. He's just a, he's an archetype, this powerful primordial force banished long ago that's trying to return and reclaim what it lost. I think that's where we're going with Zoval. I don't think Zoval is like, ooh, th th he's definitely Mesoamerican. Uh, although certainly there are some elements that reminds me of the House of Nine Dog Knives yeah. in the Shadowlands. So we'll see. But I definitely don't think it's as simple as, oh, yeah, they're drawing from this. Uh, he's Phoenician. He's Bell. I don't think that's what they're No, and I think you're right. I think hitting on the archetype thing is probably more important. Like, he may fit an archetype, but that I think... I think that's about it. Uh, our last question of the day, unless we get some interesting ones from chat, hint, hint. Uh, this is from Vertigree. Question for either the podcast, for either podcast from Vertigree, Undead Mage from Dalaran. Uh, so here's a thought. What if a loon is like the old gods sending out fragments of something hurtling through the universe, hoping to meet planets? What if all or some of the moons in the Warcraft universe are all pieces of a loon? Moons are rocks, and are sort of rocks. Secret solved? Question mark. Wishing you well, Vertigree. Didn't Anne do something about this a long time ago? Not the moon part. Not the moon part, but like the, the flinging of, of light matter into the universe? We've, we've talked about it before. I'm, I'm sure Anne, you know, had talked about it. But even if she had, she can't talk about us now because now she knows more. She knows way too much. Uh, yeah. But, um... In terms of what a loon is, I do I do think that's going to be at some point we're going to get more details on what it is. Uh, I don't think a loon is a titan or a first one, uh, or is anything like the the creatures we're seeing the pantheon of death. Clearly, a loon is powerful enough to have a role in Ardenweald without having to ask the Winter Queen, which is interesting because it's the Winter Queen's realm. Mm -hmm. But a loon can just send people there and has a role there. Um, some people have actually speculated the Winter Queen is a loon. Uh, I don't think that's the case. But it's possible that we'll find out more about a loon this expansion. I know we're going to find out more about her in terms of we're going to see the, the origins of the Night Warrior, and we're going to find out that the power of the Night Warrior was sufficient to defeat an old god by itself. Like the, the One person channeled the Night Warrior power to defeat an old god and did so. And the Night Warrior power isn't all of a loon's power. It's some... So we don't know exactly what this means, but it's interesting to think about. It's, it's interesting to look at uh, in terms of what we're going to find out about a loon. I would not be surprised. I do like the idea that, you know, possibly all moons are sacred to in some way or another a loon. That we know there's a lunaria, which we don't know if a lunaria was a planet or a moon, but we know its, its name is pretty close to a loon. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to ignore. Uh, the idea that, you know, there's beings... I mean, like, think about the Titans themselves might be something being flung into the universe from another plane of existence. Because they are like these big balls of arcane power that wrap planets around themselves for protection. They, like, create their own pearl to live in. Uh, so I'm not sure. I, but I do think it, was, it would be really funny to find out more about a loon that way. I'd like to find out more about a loon. I feel like it's been years at this point. Yeah. I would definitely like to find out more. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I'm most excited about right now is getting to learn more about a loon and her her reach or their reach, their power, their I don't think we're going to know too much about a loon's origin, although I might be wrong, we might get something that tells us where a loon came from all along. Uh but I like the idea of finding out more about a loon's influence. Uh, because we, like Matt pointed out, the whole Night Warrior thing and the power of the Night Warrior, that spanned multiple planets, so Elune's not 
something specifically to Azeroth, Alun, something bigger. Uh, the fact that we have a planet named Lunaria hints at something bigger. And there is something, I think, to the the idea, going back to the root of it, where if the Void flings bits of itself into the Prime Material Plane, uh, essentially hits planets and infects them, and those bits of infection, those boils, become old gods, technically goodness, black cities, uh, maybe there's something that the Light does as well, because we know the Void can exist uh, in some capacity inside of our regular mortal realm, so does the Light. And we know as we move into Shadowlands that there's some permutation of that as well. There, there's some uh, touch of each of those aspects there as well. The idea that Alun might be part of a, of a faction that sort of throws things into the universe, maybe not chaotically like that. Maybe it's more planned. Maybe it's more structured. Um, I'm thinking about things like the the crystal. Like this was pointed a long time ago. The crystals on uh, Argus way before they became corrupted. Like Naru technology was based around the crystals that sort of grew on the planet, right? And as far as we know, they had been there for what thousands of years. I think that was what it was like at the time. If we're talking about the Atomon crystal, they didn't know the, the, the actual Drenai did not know where the Atomon crystal came from. It predated their civilization. They found it and decided it was holy. And only later did they find out that, Oh, if you use this thing, you can summon the Naru. Like nobody knew at the time that that was the case. So there's a lot to that. We don't know that we'll probably never find it. Right. But I'm just saying the, but, the idea that maybe a is part and parcel. I just had a, I had like a weird that. idea that's more suited to lore watch than here, but we're here. So I might as well talk yeah, about go it. Go for it. Imagine if a exists outside of our usual conceptions of space or time and the various strange moons of, of the cosmos are all Elune at once because Elune is bigger than our reality. It's bigger than the three, you know, if you have a four dimensional object going into and out of a three dimensional space, it can look like it's in separate places and is separate things, but it's still the same thing. It's like, if you put your hand down on a piece of paper, it looks like a four headed thing has just, you know, put four feet down on the, on the ground, but it's not, it's just my hand. Like those four circles in a two dimensional plane Arm of the, my fingertips in a three-dimensional. Like, what if a loon is everywhere because its presence is so vast? Because it it transcends the usual way we think of existence. Again, like in Flatland, you put your hand down. There's a five-headed monster on the ground, maybe, or there's five pillars. Nope, it's just my hand. <laughs> oh, we do have an actual question from chat that I think would be interesting. Uh, if you want to go okay, through that one. Time. Yeah, yeah. Good time. this is from Malcor. Shout out Malcor, thank you. Will the servers be able to handle all the traffic on launch? I'm assuming this means Shadowlands. Any tips on how to prepare for leveling in the starting zone? Um, so when you're talking about starting zone, Malcor, I'm going to ask for a little uh, clarification. Are you talking about the current starting zone for new characters, or are you talking about starting the leveling experience in Shadowlands? Uh, while I wait for that response, I think the servers are going to do pretty good. Honestly. Servers have actually held up fine or yeah. relatively fine the past couple of expansions. I mean, there's been some hiccups, but they've been remarkably smooth for worldwide global launches. Yeah, and not only that, like I know that the server team has put a lot of work into reworking the architecture and making sure things run very smoothly for us. Uh, and I have a lot of faith in the work they've done. Uh, like not getting too insider baseball on it, but like knowing some of the things that they've done, they've made incredibly smart decisions to try to handle the load. And I think they've been mostly successful at it. I think Shadowlands is going to be a fairly good launch. Legion wasn't bad at all. Like it had a, a few hiccups. Battle for Azeroth wasn't too bad at all either. 
Like, I remember it, it was fairly smooth. I think I streamed it back when it was first doing... I think I streamed it on Blizzard Watch, actually, when it first released. And I was able to get in and do leveling and no problem. Didn't have any issues. Like, yeah, there's some momentary lags. Yeah, sometimes the, the server kick may kick you out or whatever. But honestly, compared to how it used to be, I think we're going to be okay. Like, I still remember days down at a time when the game first launched. We are miles away from that. Um... And as Malcor points out, Warlords of Draenor was a pretty rough uh, launch, but also I think Warlords of Draenor was the first time they started using new server technology that I don't think that they were really too uh, up on as far as integrating into their their structure. I could be wrong. Well, I mean, Warlords also got a DDoS. And Warlords got a DDoS, which was not easy to deal with. Um, no, which it was, it was a global DDoS. So. Yeah. Uh, and I, the the clarification the, the just is a shame. Sorry, yeah. The, the clarification was leveling in Shadowland. Okay, uh, first off, you're gonna you're gonna start off. You get a quest. You go to the Maw. I'm pretty sure the Maw is relatively instanced. Yeah. So you will actually be like in a effectively a scenario. I I think there will be other players in there too, but I think it's it's probably going to be controlled to a degree. Like they won't let it swarm with players because that would just make it too hard to get through and get stuff done. Uh, once you get through that, I think you'll be like at least fifty one or fifty depending. Uh, when you get done with, you'll likely, you know, you you go to Arbos, then you almost immediately go to Bastion. My only advice would you be, like, do you really need to be on and leveling the second it's available? Think to yourself, do I really need to do this, or can I wait a few hours? Because it's always, the worst time is always right after they launch. Oh, yeah. And they have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. So and, that would be my advice. Yeah, and I'd say maybe plan an alternate activity, too, just in case. Um like I, we all want to play the game. We all want to get in there and, and get our our you know proverbial weapons dirty with the blood of our enemies, or heal our friends to to you know being not dead anymore. Or but, heal them so much and so well that they explode. No, it's not going to work. No, I'm doing it. I'm healing them to death. No, it's just making them feel better. But we could heal them with fire. Uh, but plan something else just in case, right? Like always have a backup. Like one of the things that I do. Uh, when a new game releases, especially something like this, where there's a server that has to be logged into, is I look at what other games I have that maybe I want to play in the background, whether it's maybe Diablo, the new season will be rolling. Uh, maybe it's I load up uh, Control or I load up Hades for a couple quick runs while things calm down and while people settle in and while things stabilize. So I would say as you're prepping to level, like Matt said, maybe you don't have to do it immediately. Maybe just take a breather, wait for things to settle down or see how they are. Then you can dive in. As far as prepping for in-game leveling, I say this all of the time. Every expansion release, don't rush. Take your time. Read the quest text. Explore. One of the things that is really, really apparent even early on in the Maw is even though it's heavily instanced, there's lots of little things hidden around the place. If you take some extra time, you can go murder some extra packs of mobs and poke around and see some extra things. Uh, it's worth doing. And that goes for all of the zones. When you're leveling through uh, Bastion, Take a time, take the side roads, look for caves, look for hidden patches of, of, of ground and things like that. There's a lot of detail that they put into each of these zones, including the Maw, that rewards you for taking your time and going to find it. I know a lot of players that are going to to rush to max level, uh, and if that's your playstyle, great, but I'm saying there's a lot of stuff to find, so maybe take yeah. your time. Think of it like leveling in this expansion is going to be like pouring water down a funnel. 
there's only so much room for turbulence as the flow gets constricted, as you're trying to pour all those people down a relatively limited amount of quest area. If you can do anything to make it less turbulent, it'll be easier for you and it'll be easier for everybody else. That's why you know, Joe and I are suggesting various things like, you know, hey, I have something else you can do if the servers aren't up or, you know, take your time and don't hurry because that reduces turbulence and that means it's a better experience for everyone. Yeah, I'm not saying don't try to play the game. Absolutely, no, if, go try if, to play if, the game. If it, yeah, if it's your fun time to, like, blaze to max level as fast as humanly possible, I am not one to stand in your way. I'm just saying my advice would not be to that's yeah. the kind of thing you do if you're like absolutely determined to do it. You don't need advice at this point. You can get on with it. Yeah, but I think that's it for questions, unless there's anything else you want to add. No, I think we're done. Fantastic. All right, folks. Well, did you know that Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch? Your continued support means this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ad-free site experience. And again, your friendly reminder, feel free to check us out on Spotify. It's cool. You don't have to download anything. You could stream it. You can listen to us while you're driving to to nowhere because everything's on fire. Uh, but give us a listen over there. Give us some some clicks if you want to. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much, Matt. Okay. Thank you, Joe. Uh, again, if you've got a question for the show, you can use our Discord server. Go to our Q and, our patron Q and podcast questions channel or our Q questions, which are there for you to ask questions. Or you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast and blizzard watch. Use it on the show like we did today. Thank you guys so much for being here with us on the Watch Podcast, and we'll be here next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.